We just want our respect. Rob wants his respect. Coach Vogel wants his respect. Our organization wants their respect. Laker Nation wants their respect. And I want my damn respect, too. Greeting. Hello and welcome to the Laker Point Podcast. I am your co-host, Josh. And always I'm joined by the person who does not like compliments, Vivian. Vivian, how are you doing? Good, Josh. And yourself? I'm doing great. So a bunch of the viewers, they had a big question. They were wondering where your accent is from. They didn't ask where my accent is from for some silly reason, but they want to know where your accent comes from. Can you please explain? Okay, just get straight to the point. I'm uh, basically mixed. Uh, I'm, um, ha- um, I'm basically mixed because my dad was half Portuguese, half Spanish. My mom is black, originally from South Africa. Uh, so basically, I did not uh, live all my life. Yeah, um, I grew up in Boston, uh, moved to LA when I was eight because of my dad's job. And then because of my dad's job and my mom's occupation, um, we basically, I basically moved back and forth with my siblings from South Africa back to LA, South Africa back to LA. So the accent just kind of stuck with me. I I guess I, I try to fight it at, at times, but it's just like uh, my first language is not English. And at school, I really got bullied about uh, not speaking English as my first language because I grew up with my grandparents most of the time. So it was basically Portuguese first language, uh, Spanish second language and English third language. Uh, so I just like said, I can't do this anymore. I'm not going to give in to the whole bullying thing. I'm just going to be me. And the accent just stuck with me. And that's how basically my accent is. So if you want to know, it's basically mixed with a whole lot of things. Uh, Boston, LA, South Africa. So basically, I'm just a mixed girl with a whole lot of culture in her, basically. If that's what you want to know, there you go. You have it. Well, it's much more fun than my boring ass. So you got that for you. Yeah, I got that from my late parents. Um, maybe it's all just in peace, but yeah, I'm happy about where I've come from and my different, obviously, uh, background. It just makes me feel more blessed to be who I am because I have so much to experience around me. But yeah, that it, I hope that answers everyone's questions about where my accent comes from and why it's different from yours. Yeah, so that thank you for uh, telling the lovely viewers and listeners about the, your accent. So now let's jump into some Laker talk, which is the point of this podcast. It's not the the Vivian Accent Point podcast. It's the Laker Point podcast. <laughs> and exactly. So let's jump into what's happened around the Lakers recently. Um, before we jump into the uh, Andre Drummond thing that's hitting the news, let's talk about their few games recently. They just beat Cleveland. They just beat Orlando. I know these teams are tanking for Cade Cunningham or Evan Mobley and are not trying to win basketball games right now. But I do think these wins were important, especially with LeBron and AD. What are your thoughts on the, on these wins? I mean, obviously they not wins that we want uh, against teams like the contenders and obviously the teams that are, I think they are below 500, if I'm not mistaken. Both teams are below 500. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So 
obviously we see it as okay they're not good teams but let's also take into consideration that a lot of these below 500 teams have also beaten contenders so let's not look at it as a negative more like a positive because a lot of these teams on uh, the eastern conference and the western conference they have beaten teams that we never even thought was possible but they just beat them whether they were contenders on the east or contenders on the west they beat them and sometimes by a large margin so we should actually be proud that our team has been winning even though uh Obviously, they're not against teams that we want them to show wins against. But let's also not forget that we're still without AD and Bron. And with the losing streak that we had, winning these last two games is like a confidence booster for these guys. Because we saw what those losses were doing to them. They were looking lost on the floor. They were, you could just see the confidence level was just down. And it's, I just think that these wins like help them improve their confidence levels to the extent where they are able to actually play better in their roles. Even if it's not on the scoring standpoint, they're still contributing offensively, defensively, and they're just learning to work as a team. That is the most important part of it all. Just work as a team and play as a unit, basically. Yeah, one of the reasons why I really like these wins is because they built up some good habits. Yes, they returned the ball over a lot in that first half versus Cleveland, and they've struggled to make their right now but at the end of the day if you're getting good shots the makes will come as time goes on as the sample grows larger and I just think that when you're able to win these games not shooting well and you're able to ugly and you're but you're able to still play good defensively and still build up these good habits playing together playing as a team I think it works very well I think uh, Montrose Harrell has been really, really awesome lately. He's been just feeding feeding in the paint. And Marcus Gasol, ever since he's gotten back, he's brought in a little more flow to the offensive lineup. And I think Alex Caruso has even looked a little bit better defensively. Um, he's been struggling the last several games, but the last couple, he's been looking much better. I think Dennis has impressed as well, especially uh... – with uh, his performance in the Orlando Magic game. Uh, down the stretch, obviously, he did what he did on both ends of the floor and contributed where he could to help us win the game. And uh, you can see the team is getting more uh, chemistry built on. As you can see, they're not looking as lost as they used to Without uh, with the first few games where uh, they were basically just, you know, not knowing where the ball needs to be sent to or just ball movement was just not there. And having Gasol back has helped tremendously as much as we say, obviously, Gasol's impact is not on the box score because Gasol's impact is in the game itself with the way he's able to space the floor for the players, with the way he's able to be the facilitator. Uh, I think having Gasol back has really helped the team and his presence on the floor itself is helping everyone basically be better with ball movement and offense itself. So that's a plus having him back and just seeing the team play as a unit is good to see instead of having them just look lost on the floor. Yeah. So now I want to transition from where the Lakers are the last couple of games to the trade deadline because they had an opportunity to get all-star and maybe Hall of Famer Kyle Lowry. 
it was reported that the Lakers were offering Dennis Schroeder and Kentavious Caldwell-Pope and maybe some draft compensation. The Lakers don't have a first-round pick they can trade until 2020. Maybe you're banking on LeBron to be retired or, or gone from the Lakers by then. The Lakers aren't good. So maybe that pick has some value. But they didn't have much else to offer, although the Raptors wanted Taylor Horton Tucker to be part of the deal. And the Lakers said no. And that was su- supposedly the deal breaker. And for me personally, I think the Lakers made the right move. Yes, Kyle Lowry is a clear upgrade over Dennis Schroeder. And I do think giving up Schroeder and KCP would, would have been a good trade for Lowry for the Lakers. I also understand where the Raptors are coming from. You want young talent and you want to build more towards your future. But the Lakers are title favorites, if healthy. And getting Kyle Lowry, it's more of the rich getting richer. He's a luxury. And I think trading THT, who I am very high on, I know some people are very high on him, aren't, but I think the Lakers need to build for sustainability. You're already the favorites, if healthy. And I don't want to compromise. I don't want them to compromise their future for them to be slightly better in the short term aggregate. If Kyle Lowry was 30 years old, yes, you do that trade. But he's 35. He's on an expiring deal. And we've seen aging point guards just fall off a cliff or hit, hit a plateau. And yes, Kyle Lowry would have helped the Lakers win the title this season. But would he have stayed in, in free agency? And if he had stayed, would he have even been, been would he be the same player the next couple seasons? And I just don't think that's I just don't know about that. We've seen that with Gary Payton in 2004 and Steve Nash in 2013. And Dennis Schroeder is a pretty good player. Kyle Lowry is clearly better right now. He's definitely better. He's an all-star caliber player. But Dennis Schroeder is pretty good. So I want to hear your thoughts on the Kyle Lowry trade that almost happened. I mean, like you said, there's pros and cons about uh, trade. There was trade that we, if we got Kyle, these pros, obviously the win now situation is much more higher with him because obviously him being the PG on the team, obviously, like you said, he's better than Dennis offensively more. And Dennis is more uh, better. Uh, uh, Dennis is not uh, as good as Kyle is offensively. But then you need to look at uh, Kyle's age. He's 35 years old right now. He has a history of injuries. Was THT really worth it for all of that? And especially with a thing, like you said, he's on an expiring contract. You don't know if he's going to sign again with the Lakers, if he, if, he, if, we, if the Lakers actually got him. There's a, lot of, um, like, there's a lot of pros and cons to the whole thing. And at the end, it didn't happen, which was, if you're looking at the pros, it, it works in our favor because we still have THD for the future. We still have Dennis. We still have KCP. And as much as these guys, um, we don't know what they, they, they're going to show us in the playoffs, we already know what KCP is capable of in the playoffs because we've already seen him play in the playoffs. And we know already how Dennis is capable of doing things as well. So to have all of these players still with the team, I think we can be grateful for that. And just forget about the whole Kyle thing. Just put it behind us and let it go because it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Things don't happen for a reason. So you just move on 
and you play with the team you got. So just make the most of what whatever plays you have right now and just look at it as a blessing in disguise. Like with all the other trades that didn't happen for the Lakers, all the other free agencies, um, the free agents that didn't sign with the Lakers, if you look at it over the past years with Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, those are all blessings in disguise. So I see this as also a blessing in disguise. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, Kyle would have been a good piece and he would have been great to help us, especially with LeBron and AD out, even though I guess he's dealing with a foot infection with a, I think it was an in yeah. thing I saw or, or something like that. I'm, I'm not completely sure, but even then I just think Polinka clearly has a process and in a process, you're going to have some hits and have, and have some misses. And I think at the end of the day, you have to look at does his process overall result in more good than bad? And I'm not saying we can't critique the process because we can, but I do think we have to look at his process and be like, you know, he clearly knows what he's doing and he clearly has a process that works. He may have some flaws and he may have some misses here and there. No, nobody bats a thousand, but I do think this was a good sign of Palenka's process and we'll see if it bites them in the ass or it might actually work out for them. So we'll see how that goes. And with that being said, I want to transition to Andre Drummond, who's a new Laker. And it looks like he's going to start tonight versus Milwaukee. We're recording this before the game. So we don't know exactly how he's going to play tonight, but it seems like Shams reported that he's probably going to get like 30 ish minutes a night. And I just want to know your thoughts on uh, how that impacts Trez and Gasol, who are our other centers. And knowing what you think of Gasol and what you think of Trez, I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Okay, we've seen what Trez does coming off the bench. We've seen what Gasol does and how they contribute to the team already. We know what their position is on the team. We know what they do what their capabilities are. But then to have a Drummond to basically take the, 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 okay, to just basically be a big that is able to rebound as good as he does, that's a big plus for the Lakers. And maybe we're going to see, uh, maybe Tris play at four instead of five. I don't know. We, it's it's going to be like, I, I, I think we, we can't really say with with Vogel. With Vogel, you can say one thing and then Vogel comes on the floor and then he has a whole different lineup that we've never seen before. So I'm not going to say much on that. I'm just going to say that I think uh, given Vogel's um, history of how he does things, it's going to be very new to us. It's going to be very experimental, obviously, because there's a new guy on the team. He has to be able to fit him into the rotation. Um, they need to see how these other plays are going to fit into the rotation as well. But we know, uh, obviously, Gasol coming off the bench just helps our second unit uh, be better with regards to offense and being able to score at a much higher scale than they usually do. Because if you're coming off the bench, obviously, he helps uh, with the offense and he helps with the ball movement. So... That'll be a good thing for us. So it, it's going to be basically come down to how Vogel is going to use these guys in the rotation, how he's going to play to their strengths. It's just something that we have to wait and see. I can say that Vogel may do this and Vogel may do that, but at the end of the day, you never know with Vogel. We all know how Vogel is. 
we think we know what items he's going to put on the floor, and then he completely surprises us. So I'm just going to wait wait on it and see what happens. Yeah, basically. and I'm interested to see what happens with Gasol, because I feel like we all kind of feel like Trez is going to have more or less the same role. And I'm hoping if, if Drummond is going to get 30 minutes a night or so, I mean, we'll see. I just, I'm not optimistic about Trez playing with Drummond, but I am a little, I am very curious about Trez playing with Gasol because Gasol, while that second unit does like to play fast and they do like to push the tempo, I am interested to see how Gasol, you know, getting the, getting the rebound and throwing the outlet pass or creating space to get the rebound to get the outlet pass. Gasol can play in faster lineups. Uh, he's just not, he's just not fast, but he is, he is good at pushing the pace or throwing an outlet pass or increasing the flow offensively. So I am interested to see maybe how a Gasol-Trez pairing works. But I am just very curious how Drummond fits in. And, you know, he's probably going to be – if he starts the center, which it looks like he will be, you're going to have Keith at the four, and they, they played together in Detroit. So I am interested to see how that chemistry carries over and how maybe that will smooth the transition. I think obviously with uh, the starting lineup and uh, Drummond obviously is going to be in the starting lineup. He's going to play with two former teammates with Keith and KCP. Yes, he did play with KCP before too. So that's extra chemistry there right there. So I think uh, the, we'll see how the starting lineup goes, but I think they have enough chemistry where they'll be able to help Drummond into basically adapting to the Lakers sequence of how they play, um, how the ball moves and basically just getting into the game without having any mess, uh, mess ups. But we'll see. You never know. He's a new he's a new player to the team. Maybe it's going to take time for him to get into the old Lakers playing system because obviously it's different from Cleveland. You just can't expect him to come into the game and then just go off. But you never know with a player like Drummond. You never know anything is possible with any player. For that matter, anything is possible. So it's just a waiting game that we have to just wait and see what happens. Yeah, basically. and we touched on Drummond the last podcast, so I don't want to sound like we're too redundant, but I do think Drummond will be a good fit. And with that being said, the Lakers still have an extra roster spot available, and maybe they'll have another one if they wave McKinney, McKinney or Dudley. But it, it, let's just say that doesn't happen. They still have one more roster spot. We talked about buyout candidates last podcast. We, had, we talked about Otto Porter Jr., who, whom we both would really love on this team. But there's possibly another candidate that I think you and I would both be very open to getting, and that's Avery Bradley if he's bought out by the Houston Rockets. Tell me why uh, you would like Avery Bradley back on this team other than just being a former Laker and what he meant to the team last year. I mean, I still hold a grudge against him for what he did because obviously he chose the Heat over the Lakers. But, hey, again, uh, once a Laker, always a Laker in my book. So if we had to get him, if he was one of our last resorts, I would definitely get him because of his 3 and D. But um, if you're looking at it, if you're looking at it realistically, I think with the foot of the team, Avery size is not uh, something that you want for a wing defender. He's more of a guard player. And we have so many guards already. So if there is somebody better 
as a wing defender available, I'll definitely go for that person instead of Avery. But then I think Avery obviously will be our best option right now. But then there's also other names in the buyout market with regards to shooters as well. So I don't know. We're gonna have to just wait and see. But I wouldn't um like I wouldn't be unhappy if we get Avery Bradley. I mean he was a good player for the Lakers while he played for us, even with his so many missed games, he still contributed to the team in a very large manner with his defense, his three-point shooting as well, and his cutting skills. All of those things uh, Avery just brought to the team as a whole. As much as some nights he may not have shot well, he still did his little things with his cutting, his defense. So if the Lakers get him and it's a possibility that he plays for the team again, all good and well. I'm not yeah, against it. I just look at it. Bradley and we're also talking about like a 15th roster spot so it's not like we're talking about a guy we desperately need to throw into the rotation because the Lakers when healthy already have a very crowded rotation and it's got even more crowded with Drummond so even if Bradley does come back I'm not expecting him to be a key rotation piece but what he meant to the team last year I think goes a little underrated because he did not come to the bubble but he set the tone in training camp with his defensive intensity. He he was kind of a leader on the team, maybe not so vocally like LeBron is, or even uh, to a lesser degree like AD. But Bradley, he's a leader by example, and I do think that really helped the team get find their footing early on. And he's definitely somebody that I would like to – add if we are to get on the bio market even just for the locker room or the practices even though they just practiced for the 12th time the other day from what i understand so with that being said let's talk about lebron and ad because the team revolves around them let's just touch base on their injuries i think sean's reported about last week that lebron is going to be out four to five weeks and that's one week after he got injured so that's one week ago, so that's two weeks since LeBron got injured. So LeBron's probably going to be out probably, yeah. like Another three weeks. Yeah, LeBron, and, okay, if you... yeah, LeBron's mom, uh, Gloria James, was on Clubhouse recently, and she said you're not that counting this week. Yeah, another three to four weeks. So that sounds about in line with the timetable. And, you know, he's LeBron, so maybe he comes back in three weeks because he's a cyborg. Or maybe just comes back and forth because they're trying to be cautious. Who really knows? But, and with AD, Vogel recently said he's a ways away. and But he's increased volume and intensity and shooting, dribbling, and position-specific drills. Um, I think AD, it looks like he's probably going to come back in about two to three weeks from what I understand from what everyone's reporting. Uh, the Lakers have about six or so games over the next couple weeks. How do you feel about the team going going for the next couple of weeks, even though their st- schedule is starting to become a little tough? Okay, if I, I looked at the games yesterday, and they're going to be really tough games because in a span of these 10 games, if you're looking at the return period for uh, AD and LeBron, we play the Nets, we play the Bucks, we play Toronto, we play the Clippers, we play... We, we play the Knicks, we play the Jazz, and I think there's one other team that I'm missing out on. But, yeah, basically those are some tough teams to play, especially with most of them being contenders. 
Um, we have, like I said, uh, top contenders are the Nets, Jazz, Clippers, the Bucks. Those are all contenders. So if you're looking at it, yeah, we also play the Kings as well. That's one team that I forgot. So if you're looking at we we are in for a very uh, gruesome, very terrible, horrific watching period time where we can think of the dark ages of having uh, Tyreek Black play on the team, <laughs> Robert Sacre. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, it could get that bad because we play really tough. But you never know. Like I said, we have Drummond on the team now, so that could probably make an impact as well. So I don't know. I'm not going to be 100% negative about the whole thing. We could have some games where we could just win. If they play as a unit, they come in all full, full force with full effort, not get complacent have they, as they've gotten in these past few games. Just be on the A game and just have that confidence going in. Play as a unit, just give all they can, and they could win. Maybe the other teams will just have a bad night. I'm not going to say I'm losing full faith in them, but being realistic of what we have, and what the other team has already with regards to their injuries not being so bad as ours. It's not an excuse, but I, I think we best for probably be able to maybe win Friday's game, possibly. Uh, maybe we, there, there's a slight chance we could beat Toronto. Uh, I don't know the other games, to be honest. There's obviously, then obviously AD comes back in the next game if the timeline period is as such. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But I think it's just going to be a whole lot of um, tough games to watch. And if you're not going to be able to watch it, I guess you're just not going to be able to watch it. But we're in for a whole lot of fight that the Lakers have to give all of these games because they're not going to be easy games. They're not going to be Cleveland games. They're not going to be the game with um, Magic. Uh, It's just going to be tough competitive games and I just hope they make it competitive to the point where we're able to watch and able to see they're giving some fight instead of it just being a one-sided game. That's all we can hope for, even if they don't win. Just be yeah, there to compete. That's at all the standings, I ask. The Lakers are currently about five games up on the seventh seed to avoid a playing game where the Dallas Mavericks are the seventh seed. And they're about seven games up on the tenth seed, the Warriors. So if the Lakers, So if the Lakers end up going like they just end up losing all these games. They're still in that playing game tournament probably, or maybe they get to this drops to the sixth seed and they're, they have, they can avoid the playing game. But I just think at, at the end of the day, maybe eke out a couple wins here and there over the next couple weeks until LeBron and AD come back, just get build up some good habits. I'm not expecting them to win a lot of these games. I'm, I'm expecting a bunch of L's. But just keep your head above water, surprise a little bit, play hard. So with all the injury news out of the way, I kind of want to ask you something. What is the worst injury you've ever suffered? I think I was 16 at the time. It was a knee injury. Uh, I played PG in school. So for me, because of my height, I used to always get knocked down. (laughs) because of my height and I used to play with really tall girls so my height used to be a big factor for me they basically nicknamed me Muggsy in school 
so I'm sure from there you know why. So yep. basically, the huh? I said, yep, yep, makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So basically, the worst injury I had was a knee injury. I I don't know how it happened. To be honest, one time I know I'm basically just on the other end of the court trying to catch the ball and I go down my entire body just felt like it hit the ground I don't know how I just I don't even remember how I landed on the ground but all I knew was when I woke up I just couldn't wake up at all like I could only stand on one leg and I just couldn't wake up like completely and I remember my dad was at that game and I felt the worst pain ever like I ever felt in my entire life and at that time, I just knew something was wrong. And I was out for like three months where I couldn't play. But, and I went into a really bad depression then because not, not able to play for three months was like really shitty for me because I was used to playing. And then my dad, because he wanted me to be active and stuff like that, got me into boxing for a while. And then basically from that, I was able to just concentrate on other things, still condition at the same time, where my body was still active. So I didn't really, you know, feel it much when I got back on the court. So that was basically my worst injury, was my knee injury. So And that I had multiple knee injuries after that, but it wasn't as bad as that injury. That was like the breaking point for me. Like three months was the most that I've not played ball in high school. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. When I was 17, I was, I had a, had a really bad day. I think, uh, I think it was like a couple days after my high school girlfriend dumped me. So I was in my, in my feelings and I was just like, okay, my, uh, my mom came and I just like, I got one of her keys and I'm like, you know, mom, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna run home so I just got my stuff and just and just and just put on a, like a little uh, like a little backpack or of uh, just stuff I needed and I just went on a run home get some cardio in so it was only is like a few miles so I get so I get on my run and I'm running uphill and I feel this and then all of a sudden I start feeling this really sharp pain in my Achilles tendon and it felt like a bunch of like glass pieces were in my Achilles tendon. It felt so bad. So I basically limped home for a couple miles. It was, it was really stupid, but also hurt like hell. And I was really stubborn and mad and I had a bunch of adrenaline. So I get home and my leg just feels like it's on fire. My whole Achilles tendon up going up to my calf. And I just went home and home and iced it. And then it just started feeling really bad, and I just couldn't play ball. I was limping pretty poorly. Turned out I had some small, uh, I had some small um, tears in the tendon, and it was sprained, and I couldn't play ball for a few months, and it basically and it ended up ru ruining my uh, my senior year for playing basketball. Not like it would have, I would have gotten a scholarship or anything. It wasn't that good? Five eight white guy, who was not who couldn't jump at all, but. I would. I probably could have been a decent, d decent player my senior year, helping the team, and I just ended up basically being the Jared Dudley, because that injury basically ruined 
my whole senior year. That whole summer, I was out a couple months, and it just never fully recovered. I was able to rehab it here and there, having a, a personal personal trainer as parents helped, but I just never fully recovered from that for about a year or so, just because it was just really hard to recover and, and play basketball on it. But it basically took away any explosion I had, and I just basically became a, a spot-up shooter. But So I completely understand where you're coming from, missing ball for all that time, especially when you love it and you're sitting on the bench and you're like, you're like shaking and tapping your, tapping your feet and you're tapping your leg. Like I saw LaMelo doing that the other night because he was, he wasn't playing. So I completely understand where you're coming from. Yeah. Once, once you're used to something like playing ball, then you just, you know, it just gets to you. Cause I, I, high school, like I had to choose between playing ball and then playing soccer. Cause um, I think it was, I was, yeah, I just got into soccer at the time and then I was chosen for the basketball team at school and then I had to choose between ball and soccer because my dad didn't want me to do both. So I chose ball because obviously that's how I grew up with my dad and my grandfather. So it, was, it wasn't a tough decision for me. But And then obviously playing it like at the level that I was playing it and just having that injury and then not to play after that, it just messed around me because most of the girls that were friends that I was friends in high school was, was mostly from my basketball team. So it was pretty hard, like not being able to be at practice, not being able to go to games because of my injury. Because at the time I couldn't even move properly. I had to have someone help me to move. That's how basically how bad it was. So that depression phase stayed there for a while until my dad got me into something that I actually fell in love with later. But it was obviously not as much as I love ball, but it really helped. You have to, like with any injury, you still have to be able to actually keep your mind up things. You have to stay active as much as you can just to make sure that once you are back on the court, you're able to just, you know, not, obviously you're not going to be at the level you were, obviously, as soon as you go back into the game. But just to keep yourself active and just, just sitting around and not doing anything. And then you just fall into in a depressed stage. So I understand a lot of how these players' mental health can go as well. When they get injured, it's not something easy to get over. Because if you, this is like something you're doing all the time, it's your profession, it's your occupation, your mental health can be affected really badly. Well, I think that's a, that's a really great point. I think it's a great way to end the podcast and to raise awareness to mental health, especially for these players that are hurt. So... Thank you for sharing that story. Okay. Yeah. Glad I could share it. Yeah. So with that being said, thank you all for listening to the Laker Point Podcast. We are on basically all your podcast platforms now. We are finally on iTunes. We are also on Google Podcasts, Spotify, everything you need to know. And with that being said, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. NBA season. The respect from those two. And that's it. It's over. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers.